Hello, and welcome to the Lightmaker podcast. This is a curated collection of interviews with spiritual entrepreneurs and heart-centered changemakers designed to ignite your inner light and guide you in creating a life that lights you up. I'm your host, Cassandra Bodzak, and I'm so excited to get started. This is our very, very, very first preview episode of sorts. I thought before we dive into the interviews and kick off our official first episode with an incredible guest that I would create this this intro podcast for you guys to a little let you know about me, introduce you to my story so that you have a little idea of of the woman behind the questions. Um, so first of all, one of the I'm kind of gonna go through the format that I would when I was inter- when I interview um, some of the guests. I've already interviewed a bunch of guests at this point, so I feel like I have a good idea of what to talk to you guys about. And um, I always like to start out with the, the story. I feel like, we all have this story of, of how we came to be where we are and the different um, turning points that we had along the way that really defined what our mission is, who we are today, what we stand for. Um, so let's just dive in with that. So my story starts way, 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 way back. Um, even growing up, I, I always struggled with the body image. I always struggled with food and exercise and finding that balance. I was, from a very, very young age, felt like I was was not um, skinny enough. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the body that I thought I should have. Um, and this was from, like I said, a very young age before um, I even was at the point where I was looking at magazines or anything like that. And I you know, as a result of that, was always very conscious of, of what I was eating and, and if I was exercising enough. And I think at different points in my life, that balance shifted back and forth. And sometimes I'd go into periods of being, you know, hyper-exercising and other times um, it would be more about not eating as much. And um, and it's something that just like kind of always played like a silent part or not so silent part at times in my life. And then it really all came to a head when I was in college, of course. I went to college um, as an acting major. And as you can imagine, in a BFA acting program, there were there were quite a lot of... Um, there, was, there was a certain pressure, I think, amongst all of us to, to kind of stack all the odds in our favor in a career that felt kind of like a wild card. So a lot of us were, um, you know, thinking of the things we could do to kind of benefit everything that we were doing. Um, and one of those things was, was our body and making sure we were fit and we were in the best shape possible. And so it was naturally this kind of, you know, just fed the flames that were already, already there for me. And I started exercising even more. I started eating even less and also just making like silly food choices like, you know, eating lettuce all day and then, you know, going out with my friends and having like wings at two in the morning, you know, typical kind of college stuff, I suppose. Until I got really sick, uh, my junior year, I think it was, or maybe it was my senior. Yeah, it was. I think it was actually the be- very beginning of my senior year. I started getting really sick. I got these terrible stomach cramps, and it was really that 
this point at first I was like I don't know maybe it's just something I ate and then they kept on continuing they went on for weeks and eventually got to the point where my dance teacher was like you have to go to the infirmary and figure out what's going on here and when I went I did they did a bunch of tests on me they didn't really know what it was they thought you know I don't know they just did a bunch of blood tests and um and they had no answers for me, ultimately. They were like, you're fine. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm glad I'm, I'm fine and there's nothing like terribly wrong with me, but I'm still in a lot of pain, so something tells me that there, there is something going on here. And, um, and I, I really feel like it was almost an angel that I was leaving the infirmary. One of the nurses, I think, pulled me aside. She must have saw how upset I was because I was just so frustrated with everything that was going on. Um... And she asked me what was going on, and I told her the whole story. And she was like, you know what? It sounds a lot like food allergies. And has anybody ever told you that? And I was like, no, I've never had any allergies really growing up. And um, she was like, well, look into it. Just look into food allergies, and and you might want to try just eliminating some things from your diet and playing around and seeing if anything happens. So, you know, I was desperate and um, excited for the hope that maybe I could figure out what was going on and stop having this tremendous pain. Um, so, of course, I went to, you know, I went to my laptop and I looked everything up and I was like, wow, this sounds this sounds really on point. This sounds pretty familiar. So let me try this. I dove head, head first into um, what now we would call an elimination diet, but actually at the time there um, the, um, Alejandro Unger's famous book, Clean, which is essentially, I, I think, like, kind of, like, the Bible of, of, of that kind of a diet, um, hadn't even come out yet, so it's kind of just, like, winging it and eliminating all these foods that most people are commonly allergic to, and then I was like, okay, I'll slowly add them back in, and we'll figure it out, so I pretty much went vegan, gluten-free, and didn't, um, I didn't partake in, in a lot of things for that period. And within two weeks, I felt like a new human being. And it also really, that whole process really transformed the way I related to my body and, and the way I nourished my body because it made me all of a sudden flip from this person who always saw my body as something that like I was fighting against or that was, you know, this like troublemaker that I had to discipline um, into something that I just needed to love and care for and heal that was struggling, um, that I was hurting. And, um, and it was from a place of really wanting to feel better genuinely, um, instead of being like, maybe this is like the next scheme to lose weight. Um, and I think that was the biggest difference inside of me, regardless of what it looked like to other people outside. I certainly got a lot of flack for it, but I knew in my heart out of all the things I had done with ill intent, <laughs> that I was actually doing this from a really loving place. And it was scary because I didn't know how to cook at the time. I was a college kid and I was all the way up in the middle of nowhere, Connecticut, so there weren't like, it wasn't like, you know, nowadays you could like go to Organic Avenue or go to the this vegan store, Whole Foods even. Um, we really, you know, you had to like, I think it was Big Y was our supermarket. You had to make do with what you could find at Big Y. And, um, and so, yeah, so I started trying to teach myself how to cook. I started missing, you know, at first I didn't care. I was so happy to feel good that it didn't even matter to me that I was, you know, living on like brown rice and different kinds of vegetables and stuff because I was just, it was just so nice to, like I felt 
like I was functioning at a different level than I ever had before. And then after doing that for a bit, I got to the point where I was like, okay, so this is great, but there has to be more. There has to be something else. So um, there has to be, you know, I have to be able to eat normal food at some point or some sort of version of that. So I started getting a little bit more creative and I took to the kitchen and I was like, you know what, I'm going to see, like, how can I make a version of mac and cheese, maybe without the cheese that I can eat? How can I make um, this, you know, eggplant parmesan that I missed or whatever it was. And that was really when the, my blog started. At the time, I think it was called Cassie's Confections. And it then later morphed into Go Sweet and Skinny. And it now lives on. It's just my name, Cassandra Bodzak. I just realized that all the kitschy names I felt had a, had a life you know, a life expectancy. <laughs> but um, but anyway, so Cassie's Confections at the time, and I would write all of my, you know, all of my recipes for, you know, vegan, gluten-free cupcakes and cookies and brownies. Um, and and it was just really fun. I, I felt like there had to be other women or other people out there that were going through a similar situation as I was and still wanted to, like feel like they could eat normal foods. They didn't want to feel like they were sentenced to a life where they could never have this stuff again. And um, so that's how it all began. And then I was just trucking along, still doing my acting and working a bunch of part-time jobs and living in the city after college um, until I want to say it was 2012 when I ended up leaving a relationship that I was in for what felt like, I think it was like two or two and a half years. And, um, I loved it. It just, it got to the point where I just didn't think he was in the same place as I was in life. And I needed, I just felt like it, it wasn't, um, it was no longer a happy experience in my life. And, uh, so I left that and it was really hard because, you know, for, you know, I really did love him, and I really did kind of see this future with him at a certain point, but um, we had come to that end, the end of the road, I felt, and so I left him, and then only a few days later, while I was still kind of dealing with all of that emotion and all of that entails, I get this call from my mom, um, letting me know that my little brother, who had been sick for the past six months, and nobody really knew what was going on, um... He didn't even want us to really talk about it. So the only person I'd really told about it was um, was my ex-boyfriend now, and um, and we found out that he actually had the terminal a terminal illness and it's really severe autoimmune disease that um, eats your your intestines as well as your liver, and it's really you know. It was it was gruesome, and to you know, of course, you then you go online and you look up this disease, and you're just horrified. And um, I just remember that night and being really like, like not just not knowing what I'm what I was supposed to do, and how I was supposed to go on knowing that information. And I ended up crying on my living room floor. And, um, I remember I ended up calling my ex and trying to tell him, and he pretty much just told me to go F myself, um, that I had ended our relationship and I needed to deal with this on my own. And, uh, 
at the time I really thought that was like really inhumane but um but looking back on it I really think it was probably the best gift he's ever given me because it was in that if he had come over if he had comforted me my life would not be what it is today I probably would have ended up back with him and I probably would have never learned the the tools that I've learned I would have never spent the rest of that night becoming so sad and like crying on my bathroom floor to the point where I really did reach for a higher power for the first time in a really long time and I was like I don't know who's up there but if it's God the universe you know whatever angels whoever you are um I need a little help now and I don't usually ask for help but I need I need some guidance because I don't know how to go on I don't really know how I'm supposed to be functioning knowing this how am I supposed to just know that this is going on with my little brother and I'm just supposed to you know go continue like drinking my green juice and going to yoga class and I just don't really know how to do that um and and I fell asleep that night at around like six in the morning finally after exhausting myself from crying and the next day I woke up and I started to meditate and it's so funny because it's one of those things that's really hard to explain to someone who hasn't gone through uh, a situation like that where I just woke up and there was like something inside me that knew I had to, that knew that that was, that was the best thing, that that was really what was going to comfort me during this time. And I, um, so I went on YouTube and I looked up guided meditations cause I didn't know I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really that into it. I did yoga, but you know, Savasana was like the extent of my meditation. And, um, and I started, doing guided meditations. I started, um, and then like once I opened that gate, all of a sudden it was kind of like when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I can't stress that enough. I think when something happens and you're just open and you're willing and you're just like, I'm ready for help. I'm ready. Anybody. So of course, um, you know, my Wayne Dyer books, my Marianne Williamson books that I actually had bought but never read, you know, started kind of calling to me from the shelves. Um, I found Gabrielle Bernstein on YouTube and, you know, started listening to her and just really immersed myself in it when, you know, I really allowed that to be my therapy, my, you know, my crutch during that time, I really leaned on my spirituality and my meditation practice. And, um, and I meditated all the time. I just, I took a few days off when I could. And, um, and I just meditated all day. I would meditate and then like try to remember to eat at some point and shower and all that stuff. And I would just do whatever it took to kind of like, put everything in perspective and I knew deep down that I needed to I needed to find strength so that I could handle what was going to be happening with my family in the next you know in the coming times and um and I just hunkered down and did it and that changed my life and it changed how I live to, to today um it also started changing the blog because I was still, first of all, I was contributing to it even more than I had been. It kind of been like a side project. And when I got busy with work or other things, it would fall to the side because it wasn't, you know, a big thing. It was just fun. Um, but during this time, I leaned on it even more because what really like made me feel alive was being in the kitchen, was 
creating those recipes was sharing that that the food pictures that I was doing um that was like my playtime that was so so relaxing and therapeutic to me it always had been cooking it always been really um my meditation before meditations so once I started doing that more naturally I felt like the more love I was pouring into the blog the more love I was seeing other people have for it and um and then I also started slowly um very slowly integrating some of the meditation stuff that I was learning because the blog was really just this forum this journal of sorts for me that I didn't really ever expect people to read and um I just put it out there and then once people started reading it was pretty wild and um and during that time it it almost feels like it like this like a movie montage looking back at it because I was just pouring so much love into that because I needed to and um and then at that same time all this stuff started happening I started getting emails from people asking me to coach. I um, I ended up getting a call from ABC who had watched some of the videos I did, the cooking videos, and wanted me to audition for this show, The Taste, on ABC. And then, you know, before I know it, a couple months later, you know, I was getting certified to be a health coach. I already had clients, and um, and I'd just fallen into this whole different world that I didn't even know existed um, very organically. And, um, and I was on TV now cooking and all of a sudden this thing that was just, you know, the silly hobby I had was like a very legitimate thing. And it was really then I think that I had that turning point where I stepped into my power around everything that I was doing. I kind of went about everything. I don't want to say kicking and screaming, but I definitely a little bit reluctantly to say the least. I was still pretty attached to my my acting career. And it wasn't until I remember being on the the set in Universal Studios after we had shot some things for the taste and really just looking around and having this moment where I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And knowing that I was being given this platform and this this area because I had a message to share. Because I was being entrusted with, um, you know, a special mission to really wake the world up through food. To really, you know, show people that, you know, the first step to creating outer peace is creating inner peace and so much of us don't have peace with our body you know we don't have that very basic peace um and love for 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 our body or for ourselves um when you take it to the an even deeper level and I didn't really know exactly what that career path was going to look like, what it meant, how even someone went about this career path because I had not been planning on it. I was very logical in my planning for the the acting career. Um, and now I was just like, okay, I'm just going to ride this wave because it really feels like I'm just being kind of pulled along in a really graceful way with everything you know the client just appeared the the opportunities just appeared and and kept on appearing in this this forte so I just kept on saying yes and eventually that brings us 
to where we are today, where, you know, I am, I have this podcast, which I'm super excited to launch. I have an online cooking show called Eat With Intention, which will be launching next week at this point um, when you're listening to this. If you're listening to this and it first comes out, if you're not, then it's already launched. And it's an online cooking show all about eating from a place of self-love and and really learning how to nourish your body, mind, and soul um, through the way that you're eating. And um, and I have two books on the way, so um, plus a coaching practice. So I have a, a lot of great, beautiful things going on in my life right now. And I really feel like a lot of that was from me me really stepping up to the plate when I got the the memo. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um and I think it's you know it's interesting because I love listening to other people's stories. And I feel like we all have very different stories. We all have these kind of these I call them um well I don't call them it's um I'm totally blanking on his name right now, but it's the hero's journey. And, um, and it's the hero. So in the hero's journey, it's like you hear the call and sometimes you hear the call multiple times before we actually, we answer it. But it's, it's really about like before, until we answer it, you know, we can't really embark on that adventure of life. And so I think for me, you know, I was pretty stubborn about hearing the call and then, and then, I had the beautiful, looking back, the beautiful experience of being, you know, having a tragedy in my life or having something that actually brought me to my knees because the beautiful thing about being brought to our knees is that we're in a place of full surrender. And here, for those of you listening at home, if you're like, well, my life is going really, you know, it's not going bad. I, you know, I have like a great relationship, I have an awesome family, you know, maybe I'm not in love with my nine to five, but it's not terrible. I like my, the boss or the people I work with. Um, but I keep on feeling this calling to do something more that I should be doing X or this, this is what's really lighting me up. And I, I think I want to make a living out of it or whatnot. I think it's really important to honor that call And I also think it's important to know that honoring that call doesn't always mean quitting your job and making that call your life's work. I think um, one of the, I'd venture to say the disadvantages of some of the things that go on today is that because it's so, it's like kind of widespread now that people are life coaches or bloggers or fitness gurus and and all this stuff that we automatically think oh I well I like doing this so I need to make a living off of it and um and that's why I'm really excited for some of the interviews you guys are going to hear on this podcast because I really tried to curate a a well-rounded bunch where there will definitely be some spiritual leaders you'll be hearing from but there are also going to be people that are heart-centered and, you know, following what they love inside of an organization or creating businesses that are, you know, solving problems and, and, and helping, um, helping people in a way that might not be so straightforward as, as being a life coach. And I think it's one thing, it's, you know, to notice when we're being called on a path of service is a beautiful thing. Um, but realizing that we can really take that calling and use it in many different ways. And sometimes 
like what I was doing is that you know paying attention to it and hearing it and for a while I was I was answering the call through writing the blog through doing the YouTube videos where I wasn't making any money and I wasn't trying to make any money off of it but that's what was lighting me up and then eventually I think when we keep on pouring that energy into it that's when we know we can jump and that's another thing that I've been asking a lot of the people I interview is, you know, how did you know that you were ready to jump? How did you know? And because there is that point, I think, for a lot of us, we're on the, we're at the crossroads. And it's actually, this is actually a great time to bring up a certain conversation I had where for a while I, you know, Sweet and Skinny was becoming more and more um, apparent in my life when everything was happening with ABC, ABC, when coaching was starting to happen, it started getting a lot more real than it had been. And I was really starting to question what I was going to do with the acting because I was still acting and I was still making, um, a good portion, most of my living from acting. And I remember going to a Hay House writers workshop and I got to go meet Chris Carr and, um, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to ask Chris what I should do. Because for those of you who don't know Chris Carr's story, um, and hopefully she'll be a guest on the podcast, um, she was an actress first until she was 30 and got diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And it was really her healing journey that set her forth on the career path that she's in now, where she's a beautiful um, self-help and, self- self and um, plant-based eating guru. And has a multitude of amazing books like Crazy Sexy Cancer, Crazy Sexy Diet, um, and I think another book coming out this year where, you know, it was really her crisis also that shifted her. And I already felt like I had lived through the crisis, but I was still kind of doing both tracks in the meantime. And I remember asking her and she said something to the effect like, just keep, keep doing both until you know. Or something like that. And I remember just walking away and being kind of frustrated. And being like, no. I feel like deep down there was part of me that wanted her to be like, you should do this. Because it's so much more rewarding than acting ever will be. You know, I wanted her to kind of make that call for me. But I listened to her. Because I'm a good, I'm a good student. And I was like, all right, well, this woman knows what she's doing. So I'm just going to listen to her. I'm just going to keep on doing um, both until, you know, the road splits. And and that's exactly what I did, honestly. It was a really organic um, road split. And it was actually the acting that was the catalyst to me being able to be... Um, full-time with Go Sweet and Skinny at the time because I was, I still remember it, I, so I was acting and I had been getting more acting jobs of course now because I was less attached to them and I was just like, I would literally just go in there and have fun um, because there wasn't any pressure and I was also waiting tables in the West Village and I remember, um, so I'm like doing all of this and like trying to figure out how to get it all, you know, make it all happen and I had booked a gig on a show that was reoccurring, and I was on the show um, quite a few times. And it's one of those things, if you've ever worked on a TV show, they can give you tentative dates, like when they release the schedule for every episode, but sometimes it changes depending on shooting schedules and whatnot. 
So it's really pretty tricky once you're actually on a show to to end up um, to do anything else in, in the way of having another job. So I was being just really terrible with my major scene job. And I was at the point where I was, like, ruthless. I was like, you know what? Either it's acting or it's go sweet and skinny. It's certainly not the waitressing job. So I'm just going to make those my priorities. And if it ends up getting me fired, then it ends up getting me fired. And then that'll just be my sign. So I was, you know, still showing up for work whenever I possibly could. But when I had to go to set and I had something that I deemed as more important to do, that um, I would call in and let them know, give them as much notice as I could, try to get it covered or whatnot. But it ended up being that for the for that like month or so, I was really not there a lot because I was working so much on the show. And I got a call one day. And I remember, and it was funny because it was just about, the show was about to wrap for the season, so it was almost over. And um, and I was really still thinking about, like, I don't know what I should do. Like, I was just kind of keeping this job as, like, a crux because um, it just felt safer. And um, I got this call from my boss, and my boss, not, not a spiritual guy, really, or not to my knowledge, really. And But we had had a, a good relationship, and despite me probably not being the best employee because of my, um, my ambitiousness or whatnot, uh, he really respected me, I think, and I think we had a great friendship. And so he called me, and he was like, Cass, so I'm writing the schedule for next month, and I just got this feeling, you don't want to be on it. And I just, I wanted, I was like, you know what, let me just call her, because I don't, I'm not trying to fire you, and if you want to work, we can talk about, like, what days you want to work and how you want to manage that, but I just feel like you don't want to be here anymore, and maybe, you know, maybe you should just go try that, and then if you need to come back and take a few days here and there, you're, you're always welcome, and I remember we, I was in Greenpoint at the time in Brooklyn walking to a friend's house, and I remember just stopping on the sidewalk, and it was a really nice day. And just being like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because I needed that. And I really did, you know, I told him thank you, and I said he's absolutely right. And then I was kind of, you know, just not sure when to take that leap. And and so that's, I think, you know, I'm not saying it goes that way for everyone, but I think when you just show up for what's going on and you make what lights you up, makes what's, you know, really getting your juices flowing a priority, then then you'll naturally be supported and guided to to making that jump. And and really I didn't I had been hoping to like save a certain amount of money or have like this like this some sort of like backup plan the whole time. And it didn't really happen. It happened a lot faster than I was able to put all of that in place. But but I was fine, you know? It wasn't the end of the world. I you know, I was tight for a little bit and then I just got into a groove and I figured out how to do it and it was really empowering to be able to start paying my rent without that kind of a job going and if for a while I was toggling back and forth between the acting and the blog um, and then eventually again it just became between those two what was the more important thing my clients were the most important like recipe development was the most important um I started selling my vegan gluten-free cupcakes around the city at different markets, and that was more important. And I just let that be the priority until eventually I was doing that more of the time than I was acting. Um, 
and I became more selective with the acting that I would do or the, the shows I would work on and stuff. And um, in an event, all roads finally led to Rome, and I ended up doing it, you know, by myself and, and realizing that this was really what was calling me. And it was just like Chris had said, that when I just kind of stayed on the path, you know, the, the roads would split, and they did. Um, so I'm also, you know, a big, a big advisor when I tell people that, um, you know, if you're not sure, keep going, you know, um, there's that, I don't know if this is a quote I said or a quote someone else said, but, but there's a saying that goes, it's okay to live the question. And it's okay to live the question. It's okay to show up. I lived the question for a while. Um, It's okay to live that question of being like, okay, I don't know. Like, I don't know which one I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just following what's, what's bringing me joy, what's lighting me up right now. And taking care of the necessary things to take care of to support myself. And, um, and I think it's okay to just show up for the question. And if you're in that space right now to honor it and live in it, like living in the question, it was a fun time going back, you know, enjoy it. There will be a time when the, the roads will split, it will be clear, and then you'll know to go on your way. And that's, you know, and that's just it. So there's no need to rush that. So let's see what other... What core beliefs do I let serve me? That's a question I like to to ask people. So one of the core beliefs I feel like I let serve me is that it's an inside job. It's always an inside job. So when something we feel isn't going right on the outside, that is, in my book, a cause for self-reflection. And to say, okay, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's something with your family... Um, whether it's with your business, when there's something not going right on the outside, I think it's, it's time to go inside and it's always time to go inside. I think, you know, it's like, we're going to get, I really believe that saying world peace through inner peace, you know, it's, we have to take care of our insides. We have to create that loving relationship with ourselves, do, you know, do the things that lights us up so bright that we can't help but shining our light on other people. Our light can't help but touch other people. And it's not this, it's not, it becomes not this thing of like, oh, I'm like preaching or I'm telling people this or I'm, I'm helping, I'm helping people, um, with this kind of like pushing motion, right? It becomes this kind of like this like endless well that springs up inside of us that just overflows and that's how we help people and that's how we serve people. But it's by filling ourselves up first that we're able to give that beautiful light that comes from within us. Um, we're able to serve as the lighthouse. We're able, we're able to lead by example and lead the way. I really believe um, in leading by example And I try to live my life in such a way that if my life was a reality TV program and someone was watching it 24-7, that people would be inspired and that, you know, that I don't have anything tied. And I think that's, you know, part of that's living with integrity. But I think it's also taking responsibility for your influence. And I think that's something that a lot of us don't 
do completely. And when we take responsibility for our influence, what that really means is it's not about like our influence, like we're a reality TV star or on social media. It's about our influence in every single moment of our day. Are you know, you waking up and doing your meditation is taking responsibility for your influence because it's actually you showing up for that changes the way you go about your day and therefore changes every interaction you have throughout the day. You're shifting the energy by that one choice that you're making. Same thing with food. When you're like choosing food that's fueling you, you're shifting your own energy. You're raising your vibration. You're going to be a better container to go out in the world and and, and lead by example and be the lighthouse and and have really great interactions. Um, And when we do the inner work, when we really practice self-care, self-love, and really removing all these fear blocks that we have, all these um, negative beliefs and things that we've picked up throughout the way, that's how we we really influence people. Because by us going into the world as those joyful, fully contented, loving beings, we lead by example for not only what is possible, but by how we can touch other people, just energetically. And I think that's something that gets missed. Um, when you have that transformation, it's not so much about preaching to everyone in the world about what they should do. No, it's about just living it so fully yourself that other people around you can't help but ask, what are you doing? Wow. Like you look five years younger. You look so lit up and joyful every time I see you. What are you doing? What's your secret? Is there some sort of pill you're taking? And then that's a much more fertile ground for you to be like, actually, I started meditating. Actually, I started, you know, really learning to love and accept myself. And that's, you know, now a conversation that's being spoken to eager ears. Whereas when we go out and we just try to kind of be the love police (laughs) with everyone and being like, you're not loving your body if you're doing that, or, you know, you're not doing this, or you need to meditate and all that stuff. Um, We're not being the light. We're not being the lighthouse in those moments. Um, And we're not going to create real lasting change, right? We're not going to create real lasting change that way when we really take responsibility for who we are then um, then that just naturally emanates forward. And, you know, just to, to close up before this gets too long, one of my, you know, I think my work here on this planet that's really crystallized in is the idea of this kind of like trifecta. I lovingly call it the trifecta. Um, and it's food, meditation, and self-care. And I really believe through those three things. And, you know, you can say it however you want, with food, it's like how we fuel ourselves by, but it's also that whole conversation. When I think about food, I think about the whole conversation. I think about the love for our body, the love for this, you know, th- this being that we're in for this lifetime, um, and really the love and acceptance, and also nourishing it from that place of love. And, you know, realizing what foods work with us, what foods, you know, help us shine brighter, and which foods are dimming our light, or, you know, helping us you know, to numb out the the voice of our inner GPS. Um, 
Same thing with self-care. They're like self-care is a tremendous tool of, you know, not only appreciating but reconnecting with yourself. Taking that time to recharge your batteries is so important because when we don't take that time, when we don't have that quiet or that space, then it's really hard for us to hear our intuition. It's really hard for us to hear that place inside of us that's divinely guiding us all the time. Um, we let ourselves be so busy and we put ourselves at the mercy of everybody else's schedule that we forget that how, you know, important that divine GPS inside of us is. And then last, but definitely not least is the meditation practice. You know, again, the, the place where we really connect to the limitlessness of what's inside of us, the, the, you know, the possibilities and our inner peace that we can hold and, and the, the capacity for love you know, and the magnitude of our light inside of us through our meditation practice is so necessary. All three of them are so necessary for us to not only, you know, be full, you know, realized, happy humans, but also for us to live in such a way that just our presence lifts others up around us, for us to be able to hold the the space for for healing on that level, for us to be able to hold the space for the abundance and the beautiful things we want in our life. Um, that foundation, I believe, is is so important and that's so much a part of the work I do. So before this gets too long, um, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Lightmaker Podcast. I'm Cassandra Bodzak, and it has been a divine pleasure um, spending this time with you. I hope you tune in every week to hear some amazing interviews from people that just blow my mind and inspire me to no end um, that are really designed to, to help you light up, to help you go out there and design a life that, that you love. And I would love for you to write a comment. Um, let me know what you thought of this. Let me know who you want to hear me interview. If you have any questions you want to hear me um, ask people or if you have any questions for me, I'll be happy to get back to you or to record another podcast where it's just me perhaps answering some of the questions from you guys. Um, I also encourage you to check the links below for a free gift to help you start leading your most expansive life. And, um, and thank you. And I look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye guys. Have an amazing day.